Hello and welcome to the Indie Podcast, episode five. This episode with Graham Brown. We had a conversation with Graham, who is the owner and uh, the creator of United State of Indiana. You've probably seen their t-shirts uh, with the United State of Indiana flag or stickers on somebody's bike or car or skateboard. Uh, you may even have some uh, USI merchandise yourself, but this conversation was very fascinating. We went way beyond talking about uh, USI and and that into some other really fascinating topics of conversation. Uh, if you are a subscriber to the Indie Podcast, I want to thank you very much. If you're not a subscriber yet, that's okay. Just go on over to iTunes or SoundCloud, depending on what kind of device you have and what works best for you. Go ahead and subscribe to the Indie Podcast. We're going to be doing episodes this whole year every two weeks. Uh, and I'd love to just have those show up for you so you don't even have to worry about it. You can just listen to them right when they come out. Anyway, here is episode number five, our conversation with Graham Brown. Enjoy. My name is Graham Brown. I own a thing called United State of Indiana. Uh, I'm six foot two, 140 pounds. Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana native, or um, I guess outside of Fort Wayne is where I grew up in a town called Bluffton. Um, so grew up in like the Fort Wayne scene. Um, lived in Anderson, Indiana for six or seven years while I went to school there. And then I've been in Indianapolis for four years and the Broderpool neighborhood for three. Cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, United State of Indiana. That's kind of your main thing that you're doing right now, sure. I imagine. What's what's that all about? What is um, so I started United State of Indiana when I was in Anderson. Um, it came out of... It started with, I've been doing, like, interested in screen printing and t-shirts, um, t-shirts as expression, I guess, um, less as fashion and more as statement pieces. Um, I've been interested in that since high school through people like Shepard Ferry, um, who is, like, uh, a street artist who made the jump into apparel and did it really well. Sure, and had some really iconic images. You know? Exactly, like built a career um, and a name for himself around just a few pivotal images, and I thought that that was really interesting. Um, so when I was in Anderson, I was doing um, a hip-hop project called Anderson's Most Wanted um, that was kind of a joke, um, just existed to... Um, kind of make an icon out of the city of Anderson that is kind of this post-industrial wasteland in a way, but also just a really typical uh, mid-sized American city. So did this Anderson's Most Wanted group that was all about local pride and all about like just really embracing the environment that we were in. Um, and as I was doing that, I was making stickers for that group for this show that we were going to do and... Um, just kind of stumbled upon this design that was the American flag turned vertically with the state of Indiana where the stars go. Um, so just six stripes in the state of Indiana. Uh, and that it, it looked good. Um, I'm not a designer by trade. I guess I'm a designer by hobby, but I kind of felt that it was a solid logo um, and that it, that it could speak beyond the image itself. Um, so we put on some shirts as Anderson's Most Wanted shirts, but I pretty quickly started calling them United State of Indiana shirts because the name just kind of fit. It was pretty, um, you know, it was pretty natural name to fit that logo. Um, bought the domain name, UnitedStateOfIndiana.com, put them up online, and then just kind of went from there. Did you have any idea or any expectation of what kind of response people would have to that that kind of iconic design that's mm. become so popular now? I, uh, I don't think I did, but at the same time, I don't really... I like to have big expectations of anything I do. So I probably thought that Anderson's Most Wanted was going to be the greatest band of all time, and it was not. Um, but So I did know that there was something worth pursuing. I think all those little bits of new ideas that come into my life, I always kind of to myself blow them up as big as they could be think about where it could go in the biggest sense um and but no i guess i did it took a while to see that this endeavor that logo putting it on apparel building a company around that was really like 
was going to become my main focus. Um, but it took off pretty quickly, luckily. I had a good group of people around me who supported it right off the bat, who really got what the idea of it was. Um, I knew enough photographers and people who were willing to contribute to the idea that it it took on a pretty professional presence quickly. Um, and I think that's something that the company... USI as a company has always kind of looked more professional than it is, and that's something that is um, really valuable. So, you know, within a month or so of being online, I think it looked like a real company, and that helped it kind of gain its own momentum beyond what I was doing. Because I had another full-time job at the time, um, and it definitely wasn't something that I imagined would become my full-time job. Sure. Just as a sidebar, what was your other full-time job? Um, I worked for a company based out of Singapore doing corporate training on channel strategy. So we would train um, companies like old school tech companies, not like interesting tech companies, but old school companies like Motorola, um, who still make walkie-talkies. We would train their salespeople how to sell through the channel. So the channel being your retailers um, or direct to customer. So we would do PowerPoints and stuff. I love PowerPoint. I think presentation design is really interesting. Um, so I did that, traveled with that for a little bit um, and worked from home too. So it was a really good job to support me and also give me the space to be doing things on my own. That's kind of cool. I mentioned like Motorola making walkie talkies. It's funny because like this is obviously not my full time job, but my full time job I use Motorola walkie talkies every day. So yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, how that works, yeah, I but. know that world. I I could probably like <laughs> go into some part of my mind and quote you the model numbers yeah, of all of yeah. those walkie talkies. Probably talk me through how to like troubleshoot some issues. Yeah, with totally. It. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a really interesting job. It got me some international exposure, which was cool. It got me in um, like the head, the Southeast Asia headquarters of all these companies. Um, which was a really interesting thing to be witnessing while at the same time I was building this company that was hyper-local um, and a company that that my personal company was very much smaller is better. So it was interesting at the same time to be absorbing the world of, of bigger is better. A lot of people, um, when they talk about you know their passion project and maybe they're people who have like that full-time day job, a lot of people tend to th- maybe not always negatively, but not always positively, like look at that, that full-time day job. Uh, you seem like you have a pretty positive, like look at, at how that job helped you out. Um, you know, what would you say maybe to some people who feel kind of like their day job, uh, their full-time job that they do so that they can pursue their passion project is kind of not what they want to be doing? Um, I definitely understand that. I've never really been in that position. I got into that job, the Singapore job, um, I didn't have to apply or anything. I just had met the owner in the past and he approached me for the position. Um, and I've been really lucky to make good connections to get myself into jobs kind of throughout my life, um, where I didn't feel like I was plugging into the system really, because I think there's nothing wrong with having a full-time job and there's nothing wrong with working for somebody supporting someone else's passion project or someone else's long-term endeavor. Um, I think where people get frustrated is when they feel like they're just plugged into the system and they're easily replaceable. And then if something went wrong with the way that they're doing it, there's always the fear that they will just be cut loose and replaced. Um, So I would say if you're in a position like that, you should get out of it. That's not like that is a that's a imposition that society I think has made seem normal that you need to be like that the best thing you might be able to do is just be a gear that someone else designed before you even got there. Um, I think that is really dangerous. Um, So I would say try to remove yourself from that. There are a lot of companies that will form the gear that that you will play based on your personality and based on your skills. Um, And that is a good job in my mind where the idea that you're just trying every day to meet a job's expectations. That's what sounds like a bad job to me. Um, cause that does strip you of whatever it is that you're uniquely good at. So, um, yeah, but day jobs are a real thing. Everybody's got a day job. I'll probably have to enter back into a job working for someone at some point in my life. 
Um, and I, yeah, just make the best of it. Use it. If for nothing else, use it for the money to like go home and do what you want and have more money than than you would doing your own thing. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Because uh, I don't make any money doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a it's a fact of life, and I I think our generation is is starting to disrupt that as much as possible. It will be a slow disruption, but I think more and more people are getting used to the idea that you have the right to do what you want. Um, it's not, even if there's an expectation that you should follow some career path, that's not, um, if you break the expectation, it's not going to kill you. And so, yeah, I mean, I see a lot of new stuff opening up every day, young people starting new things. Um, Stuff like this, just the idea that, like, if you have an idea, you might as well pursue it and pursue it in a way that looks professional and looks high quality and can stand up with the rest of the world. There are no, like, designated artists and there are no designated influencers or innovators. Like, you just choose to do that and then you establish your name as that. Um, So, yeah, I hope that, you know, by the time we are old and have grandkids and stuff it's really normal to think that everybody has at least some pursuit that is uniquely theirs so talking about that you know your pursuit and in, in, in your company now united state of indiana it's been around for a couple years now right how many yeah years? i think i mean all things considered i think i'm like six years in six it was probably in. six years ago that anderson's most wanted was going okay um maybe five but yeah, so I mean, I'm pretty deep, deeper than I ever thought I would be. What uh, What's changed from the time that this started, or maybe the time that you realized that this is your thing now, not just kind of a a little project off of you know your hip hop group? Like what What's changed between you maybe buying that domain name and where you're at now? Sure, um, there's some employees now, so I have four employees, part time employees, who do the things that I used to do, um, but they do them as good, if not better. And they also do them so I don't have to do them. So that's like packing up orders, you know, for years I packed up every order, which got crazy. Um, so someone who does that and manages the inventory side of things, um, social media side of things, um, was hiring someone to do that was a really intentional choice for me because I'm not a huge social media guy myself. I'm not I'm probably more anti-social media than pro-social media. So with that in mind, but recognizing that like a modern company can't exist without social media, um, I brought someone on to give a more genuine voice to those channels. Um, So like, I just don't think that there's a ton I can say in my voice through a tweet, but I know that USI needs to be tweeting, so let me bring someone on who feels more comfortable in that realm. Um, and I think that made a lot of sense. And then just bringing on a few other people to kind of handle the stuff that I would drop the ball on or that the IRS would tell me I was dropping the ball on. Um, and so that kind of rounded out the group and has given me a little free space to, to grow it, um, to grow the company in like a face to face way to think about growth. Um, and to do so, you know, to do some of the designing and stuff that does get lost. Some of the, you know, the artistry of a business gets lost real quickly when it's just business every day. So, um, yeah, as far as like the, the team, it's grown. Um, as far as the personality of the company, I don't think it's changed a ton. Our designs stay like pretty true to where they started. My, viewpoint on Indiana has definitely changed as I moved from Anderson to Indy um, because Anderson is like punk rock and Indy is like pop rock, right? Indy is like, there is a lot that is easy to digest here. Um, There's a lot that like looks good and is sexy and is sweet. Um, So being surrounded by that, is a lot different than the genesis of the company, which was in a place that is strictly overlooked, not on any national lists of coolest places to be for anybody. Um, and that, so I've had to reconcile that. I would much prefer the 
the the first the punk rock the the neglected um side of things so being in a place that gets a lot of positive attention and that people are excited about um was a shift for the company that the idea of it started let's be excited about a place that people aren't excited about and that people would tell you you shouldn't be excited about so now that i'm in indie where everyone's kind of excited lots of people are excited about a lot of stuff going on here it's that was obviously great for the company. I, you know, that was exactly what I wanted to tap into that excitement. Um, but for me personally, I need to look around and say, okay, that's that's cool. But let's not like rest on our laurels of that. We all agree this is a cool place. What's the like? Where is the aggression of? I believe this place could be better than people think it is. Um, so I'm still in the process of doing that because I do. I do get jaded a lot. Um, I, don't, I just don't need to see indie on any more like lists of top 10 cities for, you know, these for millennials or top 10 places for young tech people, you know, like it's, that is like the most superficial celebration. The things like that aren't written by people who work here um, or by people who live here or by people who understand the struggles that are going on here. Um, so, so it's trying to, trying to still tap into that excitement and feed people's excitement, but not get overly consumed in it and just kind of give up on the struggle that should always be going on to make the place better. Yeah, I know. I mean, for me, I I totally understand that because a, you know, I work in a job that brings me to the places and interactions with people in some of the parts of the city that are not, you know, the desirable parts of the city, like Brightwood and Mapleton Fall Creek and, uh, you know, parts of this town that people who are drawn to Indy for things like those lists of, you know, where the top 10 cities for, you know, young tech savvy, entrepreneurial, millennial, whatever. um, That's not what Indy is, or at least that's not what all of Indy is and certainly not a majority of what Indy is. And that's... uh, so yeah, I totally get that. And in, in Indiana in general, I mean, like, I think over the last maybe 10 years, people have looked at cities like Indianapolis as kind of these sort of bright, you know, lights in a, in a, in a kind of redeveloping economy in our country. But people overlook a lot of the times the parts of our country, of our state that aren't, you know, developed that. Totally. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned like talking about like Shepherd Ferry, uh, yeah. and obviously like definitely uh, an iconoclast. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, most people would probably recognize like his Andre the Giant Obey right. uh, poster and art, or uh, you know the back in two thousand eight he made the the Obama Hope pop sure. art that was you know and still like used kind of as a meme on the internet today. Um, for you, because obviously I think there's a certain element of like political, maybe not necessarily like any kind of mainline political element to Shepard Fairey's art, but there is a political aspect to his art. Is there anything about that in the United State of Indiana and the icon, like the 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 state flag, American flag? The the using the American flag, um, definitely at the when I made that logo and didn't know it was gonna become something that I sold yeah it was just directly like let's tear down the idea of the country as a whole use their symbolism and then hijack it for our own symbolism um so yeah that in that and that was all wrapped up in the rap lyrics and everything um so yeah that was very direct once it became a product um that I tried to you know, I didn't like put a lot of emphasis on that, um, except for the fact that using such a well-known, I mean, it's just six stripes, but everyone sees it as a flag. So that's a really good entry point of keeping a design extremely simple, but having it say a lot for you. Um, you know, I have whatever, since 1776, I have that much collective ideas that go into the six stripes and then I just threw Indiana on it and then you kind of juxtapose all of that together. Um, so 
in the logo itself, that's probably as far as like the political connotations go. Um, I de- I think it is kind of a a similar to the the Obey Giant logo. You know, just a face with the word Obey and the face of a professional wrestler. Like, it's it doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's that's the point. And that flag itself doesn't mean anything. There's not a organization other than myself behind it um but i think it is that idea of how do you put symbols and words together to evoke certain things based on what people know about the society they live in and i think everybody for the usi flag everyone kind of puts that in their own compartment whatever makes sense some i'm sure there are some people who like the usi flag because they think it is an indiana centric like patriot thing you know that it that it is acknowledging the country when that was the exact opposite of what I was trying to do. Um, but that, you know, and then we have military people who tell us that it's hung the wrong way, you know, because the, the, the field of stars technically, according to military code should be on the left side and it's on the right side. Um, and that's like, that's fun. It's a fun thing to hear because it's fun to like argue that and to point out like, like that's not we're, we're not that deep like there's you know that that imagery exists beyond like in a realm where there are no rules of how you hang a flag um it just it is what it is so um yeah i think everyone puts their own spin on it um i would love to like ask everyone who has it on their car why they have it on their car um, but I don't really know. I let people fill in the blanks for themselves, and I think that's why it works. You know, that's why it has done so well. I mean, the uh, the second design that we put out just says "This is home," which like I'm not even super crazy about that design, but the, I knew that it works because it it accomplishes the same thing. Like fill in whatever blanks you want. We just gave you a template to speak out the message that you want, but the story that goes along with it is going to be your own. We'll get right back to the interview here in just a second, but I wanted to take a little bit of time out to talk to you guys about some things that are going on with the Indie Podcast. First of all, I mentioned you should subscribe. Go to iTunes. Go to SoundCloud if you're not a subscriber already. Go ahead and do that. Also, while you're there, leave us a comment. Tell us what you think about the podcast, what you like, what you don't like. Maybe if you have an idea for a guest, somebody that you'd love to hear from on the Indie Podcast or a story that you'd like to be told, please tell us about that. We'd love to tell those stories. If you're not already following us on all the appropriate social media channels, please go ahead and do that and go to Facebook and search for The Indie Podcast or go to Twitter. We are at Indie Podcast Crew on Twitter. That's Indie Podcast Crew. And, of course, you can drop us a line by email. Our email address is IndiePodcastCrew at gmail.com, IndiePodcastCrew at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All right, back to the interview. Do you um, see USI in any way as sort of like kind of an emissary of like Indiana or the people who live here or choose to live here, or love this state, love this city, and this, this place? Like, do you guys see yourself as a sort of representation of this place? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that we, and not just me exclusively, like there's a lot of people who who do this like local Indiana pride thing well in whatever avenue they do it. Um, but yeah, we, you know, with like a really unifying logo and really pervasive products, like we have products that, that are seen a lot now. Um, yeah, I do, I do kind of look at myself as having the responsibility of like in a little way speaking for or, or giving words to collective feelings. Um, so like there, there's something that we're all feeling and putting that into images or words or advertisements or whatever it is and, um, trying to tap into that the same way that like a song can do that. Why does, you know, like one, why can whatever Adele's, you know, rolling in the deep by Adele, why did that get huge? No one knew who Adele was before that. Um, I think it's because like everyone has something on the tip of their tongue and everyone has like a beat that they're like thinking about dancing to. And when you can put them together and give everyone that outlet, they all jump on it and they all want, like they all found the expression that they'd been looking for, but didn't know how to create themselves. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of what 
I've been in the process of doing. Um, and I think we do it way better than any like official organization of Indiana that is trying to do that. Um, whoever makes up our logos is just terrible. You know, the welcome to Indiana signs are a joke. The slogans are awful. Um, and that's, and that's a representation because those people work in offices, you know, those people work in offices on like that you have to access through an elevator and they probably wear suits to their job. And that is not an environment to create like no artist works in that environment. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel like we speak for a collective speak on behalf of a collective voice of Indiana. Um, and I think it's good. Like I'm not the best t-shirt designer in Indiana at all. I'm not the best businessman by far. Um, but I am glad that I'm the one doing some of that speaking because a lot of people whose job titles entitles them to speak that way are really awful at it. So you've lived in the two largest metropolitan areas of Indiana, um, you know, Fort Wayne, Indianapolis, Anderson, and everywhere kind of yeah. around that. So you've lived in Indiana your whole life, right? Yeah. What is What does Indiana mean to you? Why is this your home? Um, it was it's my home because I was born here, um, and then it was where I went to college for a number of reasons, and then it's where I'm at now because I was in the middle of USI and my girlfriend lived here. So there's no like, I don't try to build a picture that like Indiana has unique qualities that have kept me here because I don't think it has really. It's that's for my personal journey. That's just it's been like just the way things worked out and I was born here um, and I'm not like a huge go across the country and change my life type of guy um, and I and I try to iterate that to people a lot through USI um, I did Country Living magazine a couple years ago asked me to write an article about Indiana which was just wild to think that like I went from Anderson's Most Wanted to Country Living magazine um, but they, so they asked me to write an article about why I loved Indiana. So I did like what I thought was a pretty good piece, um, about kind of melding the, the rural and the urban cause Indiana is like right at the crossroads of rural and urban. Um, so I wrote this piece and I think it was like, my title was like why I love Indiana or something generic. And they changed the title to why Indiana is the best state. And I like really took, I felt like that kind of betrayed my work because I don't, I have no concept of whether Indiana is the best state. And I mean, I, I also think that's like a meaningless qualifier. Um, how could you ever determine what state was the best? Um, and I certainly wouldn't know. I've never spent significant time in any other state. So the, you know, the heart of it is not that Indiana is drastically different than anywhere else the heart of it is that I'm here like my friends and family live here so for me that makes sense to take pride in it um, me taking pride in it then tapped into like a larger voice and and resonated with more people um, but I wouldn't say that there are any qualities here um, you know people talk about who's your hospitality I think that's an interesting concept I think because of our position in the country and the pace that the economy moves here, the pace that trends move here, um, it does create naturally nicer people because it's a less competitive environment that you need to exist in. It is a lot less of like dog eat dog here. I think that's because of the industries that are here um, or in the industries that have been here as the state developed. Um, but it would be, I mean, it would be strange to say that people in a certain geographic area have like a, a personality trait that makes them nicer. I don't think that's really a thing. Um, so I'm glad we have that reputation um, as being hospitable, but that could all go away as soon as someone speaks loudly and inhospitably on our behalf, as happens with politicians here. Um, 
So yeah, for me, it's just, it's the place that I am. If the wind picked me up and landed me in South Dakota, I would have to believe that I would then start repping South Dakota real hard. Cause I mean, I'm just trying to make the place around me better. Have you ever, uh, in the course of all that, uh, you know, work that you've done with USI, uh, and you talk about kind of the, um, the effect that that's had with people kind of taking that up and, and taking that into their own means of kind of showing what it is for them to live here, to like this place, to be proud of their state. Have you guys had any really negative reactions to that? Has anybody ever? No, which is interesting. And it's kind of a bummer on, uh, for me. Like, no, I, I think, um, no, like in my mind, there've been the, we, uh, like in the early years, the first few years, we did have some, really the only negative feedback was people who thought using the American flag was disrespectful, which I, I understand, I guess, um, that for me, that was, that just came down to clarifying that like, look, just cause there are six stripes in non red, white, and blue colors, you can't like impose that we are like you know taking away the the icon of this country um but other than that no there's not really like been a lot of detractors um and i think that is a negative sign in itself for the company um the fact that no one's really like spoken out against it in my mind means that there it might be a little like too blasé um, it might be a little too easily digestible because I love the idea of universal appeal. Um, and it's, I mean, and it's not universal appeal, it's just statewide appeal. So I like that and I like achieving that. Um, but there's only so much you can do with that. There have to be some enemies, you know, and, and I think Indiana as a whole needs some more enemies, um, which is an interesting thing to to say and to think about, but a lot of a lot of what goes on here, a lot of what comes out of that who's your hospitality is this kind of milk toast, easy to understand, um, non confrontational way of life, and I I don't think that there's a ton of value in that all the time. That's definitely how I am personally. Like I don't have many personal enemies. I don't think. Um, I'm pretty easy to like get along with people. So the, the, the company, I think adopted some of my own personality in that, but at the same time, like, yeah, the, the pervasiveness of a shepherd fairy image couldn't have existed if it wasn't for all the people who got pissed that he put his image on their buildings and over their billboards. Um, like you do have to pick some people that aren't going to be your fans to keep growing your fans. Um, and that's kind of the process that I'm in the midst of now is saying, okay, that we did the universal pride thing really well. We did the like overarching message well, but now let's like, let's drill down a little bit, maybe lose some people along the way, but gain a stronger support of people by like really digging into some issues or digging into some thoughts i guess so you guys have done you know obviously like uh you know lgbt pride apparel like yeah. rainbow color apparel um and i i guess there's probably some people who aren't happy about that oh yeah which, that's true we have yeah. had that that didn't come to mind we have had a few people um i've had models of mine which is pretty crazy Mo like people that we asked to come to photo shoots so people our age who wouldn't model the pride stuff hmm. Uh, which is a intro like yeah. caught me off guard, and then I've had people who said like, "Oh, I was really into, I found your website, and I was really into all of it um, until I saw the pride stuff, and now I don't think I'll be able to support you." Hmm. Um, and that is, I mean, that particular. I wish that I could find that more intriguing and could dig more into their point of view. I think that particular issue, you're just in 2016, you're just like on the wrong side of history if you take if you take that stance on yeah. the like equal rights mm -hmm. issue. Um, so yeah, there's not, you know, I wish I could entertain their viewpoint a little more. Unfortunately, 
I can't. That's not like a political issue for me. I would love if someone came hard with some like political stance against us. Um, but if you're just in the favor of like old school thinking that prevents rights, it's it's just easy for me to dismiss it. Um, well, I think given kind of the maybe some of the political climate of Indiana, maybe that is kind of a part of, you know, that seems more likely that in Indiana where we almost, you know, completely ruined our economy and reputation as having hosp- hospitality by yeah. passing like legislation that would allow people to discriminate against people. You know, I, I, I could see that. What, what are, are there any other ways that come to mind to you that you want to kind of challenge people more with the designs and the products your company? Produces? Yeah, for sure. That's kind of, that's like really what my mental focus is right now. Um, so a lot of like the day-to-day operations of USI, I think will continue, but I'm trying to move myself into the next chapter, which is, um, probably a little more indie focused in my thinking as opposed to the, the whole state. Um, I've always been really intentional about keeping USI an Indiana focused company, not an indie focused company, because there are tons of people who support USI who don't live in Indy. And I know that feeling of living in a small town and not feeling like people are speaking directly to you because they're focused on the bigger market. Um, but I think there's a lot when I look at indie, um, from a cultural standpoint and from a systemic standpoint, there's so much to tackle. And it's fun to be in the position that I'm in because I've met a lot of people who are in positions that like can actually impact that. Um, nothing seems too impossible now, you know, like there was a time when meeting with the mayor would have seemed impossible. Now, if I if someone told me I couldn't meet with the mayor, I would just be kind of outraged at that. Why can't why can't I meet with the mayor? Like he's our mayor. Um, and the same with the governor and stuff too. Like I've been in the city enough and met enough people who are doing big things who are grounded. To that I'm now in the mindset that if you're doing big things and you're not grounded, something's wrong and you need to be shook up and knocked back down to the ground. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm looking a lot at at accessibility within the city is something that I want to look at um, when you, so much of the city's attention are put on things that are inaccessible to the majority of the city. Um, so we put tons of attention and tons of money into a few new restaurants, a few new companies coming into town, um, what we call cultural districts. Um, which is not like the city is a cultural district. The culture doesn't stop when the art galleries stop or the like, whatever meatball restaurants stop. Um, so it, it pains me to see so many people like us, so many younger people, um, twenties and 30 something people who have, a little social mobility, people who have a little spending income. It pains me to see them all talking about the same things. And those are all the like new, shiny, sexy things. Um, And those things are inaccessible to 80% of the city. You know, 80% of the city can't eat at this new restaurant that just made it on the list. Like 80% of the city can't ever taste this hot new chef's food or go to this hot new spot to hang out. Um, So the fact that we're putting so many resources into what I see as kind of like exclusionary tactics, like these cultural districts, they just feed themselves. Um, And you think that the city is growing right on track because Fountain Square is growing right on track which is cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that Indianapolis has a fountain square, but that will exist regardless. Like that, the business model of fountain square has proven itself. There's a supply and a demand and it works well and it keeps growing. So we don't need to put any like city sanctioned attention on that. I don't think the city needs to look at places that are neglected and have continually been neglected and we as citizens 
need to just start shirking the idea that the sexy places are where we want to be. Um, that that like we need to be out at first Friday or we need to be eating at this restaurant. Like you don't, and the impact that those places are having on the city is minimal compared to spending that $40 somewhere else. Um, which gets into an interesting, you know, that like hyper, hyper localizes what people love to latch onto about shopping local, um, that it keeps your money in the community and that it supports your neighbors. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's time to take that a step farther and say, okay, you're eating local, but are you supporting a chef that is in no danger of losing his job? Like a chef that could go to any city in the country and get a job. Those aren't the people who need our support in the city at all. Those are great artists in their field, and I encourage them to like keep developing their art. You'll always have a market for well-trained and well-skilled art, but as citizens, like you, we just have to start putting some attention where it like needs to be put to make the city more of an equal playing field. Um, so I, I've been I've been mulling around this idea of could you get could you pick a couple blue collar not sexy vocations and shift the entire city's mindset to think that we all exist to support those few vocations. So let's say it's bus drivers, dishwashers and janitors, okay, which are like pretty it's pretty like cliche, not sexy jobs. But let's just say it's that. Like what would it take to shift the mindset of the entire city that the only reason we have entrepreneurs here is to support our bus drivers, dishwashers, and janitors. The only reason we have successful tech startups is to support our bus, our bus drivers, dishwashers, and janitors. Like, what would it look like if a city thought that the people who get to wake up and go to work were only getting to wake up to support the people who have to wake up and go to work? Because people like me don't keep the city running at all. I could have never existed and Indianapolis would be a different place, you could argue, but it would still be here. And there are lots of people who do really underappreciated jobs who if they didn't show up to work, the city would start to crumble. Um, so I think that is the kind of stuff that I want to get into. Those are just ideas. I don't have any idea what a practical outlet for that is, but we need to, as younger people in the city, in a city that has, is not established enough. As a young person in LA, I don't think you could change the system. The system is, you can go to Tokyo and ask them what LA is like and they have an opinion. Um, Indianapolis is not that way. We have a story that is like largely unwritten. So as young people, we have to take that responsibility on and say we'll either like follow a model that probably got played out three years ago in larger cities or like we really start turning stuff on its head really like take a punk rock approach to it which is just like destroy everything and then build it up however we want um so we'll see how that, like, we'll see what I can find to plug into. Um, hopefully that makes some people mad, you know. I would I, I look forward to reminding people that their status in the city isn't as, por- as important as they think it is. Um, because that, that's kind of an epidemic around here. Um, like, just fancy food is not important. Fancy food is like the least, imp- I mean, it's just, it, it, it is like, it is a basic need that is dressed up and flaunted and then sold for a hundred times the price. Uh, and in my mind, that is like the most divisive thing you could do is to take the basic needs and celebrate the ones that are inaccessible to most of the city. So that's what I've been thinking about. I don't know. I, who knows where it'll lead, but. Sure. Definitely. You know. 
kind of conversations that need to be had though and i mean like i you know we were talking about earlier people maybe who live in you know where we're at right now in sobro or broderpool or maybe you know uh live downtown in like a really nice apartment in chatham arch or fountain square you know they don't necessarily see the the bright woods and the mapleton fog creeks right and the see that the world that we live in is is it's different than the world that like you said, the majority of the population of this city lives in that most of us, we get, get to get up and go to work every day. And, and that so many people in the city do have to get up and go to work every day. And just, you know, I think people need to recognize that, that, that everything that is newly created is taking energy from something else. Um, so when like, Historically, Indiana Avenue downtown um, was a thriving African-American neighborhood. And then stuff like stuff moves in like IUPUI's campus and the zoo and things. And these are things those are things that we celebrate in the city as they should be like those are good things. But you have to recognize that those just bulldozed over neighborhoods that were already established by people who don't sit in board meetings and decide where to put the campus or where to put the zoo or if we need a zoo you know like i mean yeah a zoo is a great example there's a huge portion of the city who would never agree that we need a zoo i'm glad we have one but that's that is a choice that a very privileged person gets to make that the indianapolis needs a zoo so and like in you know, there's the zoo, and now on the other side of the zoo is Hawville, yeah. you know, and, and now, okay, so take take what you were doing where the zoo now is and try to survive in a smaller land area. Like, those, everything has a consequence. Um, every new building on Mass Ave or Fountain Square or something is taking up room that is currently being used by something else. Um, and to to grow in the ways that look good and that garner the attention of investors or of grants um, often come at the expense of people who don't sit around and talk about investors and grants. Um, and it's, so it's an interesting spot. I am, I am definitely like not an expert in, in the socioeconomic climate of Indianapolis, but, I would much rather make myself an expert than listen to whoever calls himself an expert on that now because they were probably either elected, which counts for nothing here because nobody votes, or they were, you know, put in that job by the other guy who had it before them, the other white guy who had it before them. Like, I don't want to generalize the people who are in positions of power in Indianapolis. But I don't. I also don't think it's like that harmful to generalize and say there's probably something better. Um, and yeah, I mean, our governor is like just a, a joke, you know. Like, not you can have whatever political social views you want, but like, I need someone who's smarter in power, like smart enough to recognize repercussions of actions. That's what we all have to do every day. I don't. I can't put a shirt on sale or release a certain design without thinking about how this is going to ripple out into the people who see it and to think that there are people in power who don't have to have concern for those ripples is kind of crazy and um, yeah, sparks up my like rage against the machine revolution side. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the, uh, Anderson's most wanted. Yeah, I mean it's definitely, you know, it's been I've been talking about it forever, but I I I re- really want to bring Anderson's most wanted back now. Um one to like write some fun songs about being jaded about where I live and to like have that outlet again um to be able to it's it's an interesting thing that I can't avoid. It's an interesting thing when something built on your personal stance now is your source of income. Um, so I would be lying if I said that I could remove myself from that and think, oh, I can just say whatever I want because it won't matter. Well, it, 
I mean, if I say something wrong enough or disliked enough, it will matter and I won't like have any more income. So that's an interesting spot to be in, but I would love to get back out there and, and do like be a little more reckless in the art that I create. Um, because uh, yeah, it's less art now and more retail and that's not like ever what I signed up for. Very cool. Well, this has been a great conversation, man. I, yeah, I kind of took a turn that maybe wasn't expecting, but definitely it sure. took, took the correct turn, I think. And we talked about some stuff that uh, hopefully maybe some of the people listening to this podcast will latch on to and start some conversations with their friends. And that's something that people can talk about because I think that's a good first step towards, you know, there being resolutions to some of these issues is just to get people talking about it yeah, so they want totally, to learn more totally. about it and, and just, understand you know, it. Getting people to... Uh, just get into the mindset that like in this city nothing's impossible at all there's no there are no like locked doors um so if you're hearing this you're like strong enough and capable enough to just start like screwing up the system however you want and hopefully you do that in the name of good things and equality yeah absolutely well in in uh kind of a uh, a different direction, maybe a little bit less rage against the machine. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of plug USI and tell people where they can find it and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Uh, you can find our products online is the best place, unitedstateofindiana.com. Um, we have all the obligatory social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, so yeah, go to the website. You can email me directly. It's Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M at United State of Um, feel free to reach out to me about whatever. Um, and then you can find our products around the state in a lot of cool little shops. Um, if you go to the buy local tab on our website, you can find shops in wherever it is that you are, um, to pick up the stuff yeah um we love hearing new ideas hopefully there will be a lot weirder and more interesting stuff coming out of my camp personally and the usi camp as a whole um in the next few months so i would love for everyone to keep an eye on it and help us shape what we're doing yeah very cool thank you very much right on